Amen. How many of you are thankful for the faithfulness of God today? Come on, just like that song says, he's never failed me yet. I've failed him more times than I can count, but he has never failed me. I've fallen down more times than I care to share, but God has been there all along the way, and he has never failed me yet. Come on, can we give him a high praise this morning? Can we let our faith out today and let God know that we are so thankful for his goodness and his faithfulness here today? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. I love what I feel in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to take just a brief moment to give honor this morning. I want to give honor to your pastor and his wonderful family. They've been such an encouragement to me and in my ministry. And I've always esteemed your pastor and enjoyed his preaching. And just so you all know, you may not know this, but you all have been a part of my ministry. There have been many times where I've been on the road and I have needed a word of encouragement and I have turned to your podcast and I have experienced the faith that you have let out in your services. And so I give honor to all of you this morning. Amen. Amen. Give honor to Pastor Tierney. Love him. He's such a good friend, always an encourager to me. Love Brother Tyler. Love working with him in the youth department, serving with him here in Ohio. Amen. And you know I better give honor to my mother. My mother's in the house today. I love her. I don't see her, but I know she's in here. Love you, Mom. Give you honor. Amen. And it's so good to have my wife and kids here today. Amen. Love my wife. And you all will love her too because she will make sure that I don't preach one minute longer than I should preach here this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to turn to the word of the Lord today. We're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and then we will also read from the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, and then we'll read a few scriptures out of 1 Samuel chapter 1. We'll begin with Isaiah 55 and verses 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And if you turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, verse 11 and verses 17 and 18 to quickly summarize this story here that many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim's Ophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had no children, but Hannah, excuse me, and Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And then we're going to move down to verse 11. But between verses 2 and 11, you'll know that Hannah comes yearly to the temple to worship with her husband, Elkanah. 
and also with Penina. And the Bible says that Penina was an adversary to Hannah. She would vex her. She would make her miserable with her words. She would constantly taunt her with the fact that she was barren and could not bring forth a son. But the Bible tells us that Hannah's husband, Elkanah, still gave her a worthy portion and that Hannah was still faithful to come every year to the house of the Lord and bring her worthy portion to the Lord. Verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, this is Hannah praying while she's at the temple, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Eli sees her praying, and after exchanging a few words, she, he tells her this in verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Look at your neighbor and say, Her countenance was no more sad. Amen. Thank you for standing with me. Let's pray, and then we'll be seated. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for what we feel in your house here today. We thank you for your awesome presence, Lord. We thank you that we can run to you every day with our issues, with our concerns, and with our circumstances. Lord, you know everything that is represented in this house here today. Lord, you know the needs that have been brought into your kingdom here today. I'm asking you that you would anoint me, that your word would be loosed in this house, that it would have free course in our hearts, and it would bring forth and accomplish that which it is sent forth to do in us. In Jesus' name, if you're going to help me preach, say amen, and you may be seated. Amen. That is awesome. All of you sat down, so I know you're all going to help me preach. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you from this thought, alive, alive. I was born in the country of Brazil in a little town called Cascavel, Paraná. It's just a small town. You'd have trouble finding it on a map. It's really just a little place in the middle of nowhere. I actually had the opportunity to go back there in 2012 and visit and there's nothing really remarkable about this town, nothing really remarkable about this place, but it is my heritage, and it's where I'm from. And when I was the age of five years old, my parents split up, and my mom brought me and my siblings back to the United States, and my father, who's a Brazilian, my mother's an American, my mother brought us kids back to the United States. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a place that was uncomfortable. I was only five years old. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the customs. And all of a sudden, overnight, just in one plane ride, just during one night of sleep, all of a sudden, everything in my life had changed. Everything that used to be comfortable, everything that used to be familiar changed in one night. 
And I woke up, and I can tell you that I began to wrestle with things inside of myself, even as a young boy. I wasn't aware of the turmoil that was happening in my spirit. I wasn't aware of what it was that I was battling, but I was battling the fact that the foundation that my life had been built upon, all the things that I had grown accustomed to, had all of a sudden been shaken. All of a sudden, the security, the safety, the things that I had counted on every single day seemed to turn in one moment. And it was about this time that there was a popular Christian psychologist by the name of Dr. Dobson who had come on the scene. How many of you know Dr. Dobson? Amen. And Dr. Dobson began to come out with all kinds of statistics and and different studies were being done because as it were at that time in our history, all of a sudden divorce was becoming more prevalent and the story of the broken home was becoming more common where whereas it used to be the exception to the rule, it was quickly becoming something that was very more commonplace in our society and Brother Dobson was paying attention and and he began to study children that were coming out of broken homes and he began to release statistics about young men just like me. And he said that young men like me were more prone to be in trouble at school. He said that young men like me were more prone to have difficulty in social situations. He said that I was more likely to struggle in school. He said that I was very likely to be in trouble with the law, to challenge authority, to go against those that had the rule over me and had the watch over my life. He said that I was very likely to be troubled in my relationships and in my future relationships uh, uh, in, in marriage and even in children that it would be very likely that I would repeat the pattern that I had gone through in my life and pass it down to my kids one day. And I remember I would hear these words and, and I would hear these statistics and I began to identify with the words that he was saying. And it began to dawn on me, my Lord, this man is talking about me. This man is talking about my future. He's talking about the way that my life is going to look. He's talking about what my future is going to look like and the landscape of my life is going to look like. And I began to internalize these words as a young man and I began to struggle with them and wrestle with them and and as you know uh, young people when they hear these kinds of things and expectation is put upon their life it doesn't take very long that they begin to live out these expectations they begin to manifest these things in their life and that's exactly what happened to me my, my mother is worthy of double honor this morning, let me just tell you. She's worthy of double honor. If you knew the history, if you knew the pain that I had put her through, I currently hold the record for the most detentions at the school that I attended. I was, I was so in pursuit of the expectation that Dr. Dobson had on my life that, that one school year they decided they were going to expel me on the last day of school to make sure I couldn't come back the next year. These were the kinds of things that she had to live with. 
And I began to wrestle with these things inside of myself. And I love the Lord, but I had what they called a very on-again, off-again relationship with God. It was on when I needed him, but it was off when I didn't think I needed him. And my mom, whether I wanted to or not, she would bring me to the house of God every week, sometimes kicking, sometimes screaming, sometimes acting like a heathen, but either way, she made sure I got here. Later on time, I was in the building. And because of that, I grew in my relationship with the Lord as tumultuous as it was. And I remember I was about 11 or 12 years old, and I was down in the altar at at the Calvary Church on Kemper Road in Cincinnati many, many years ago. And I was, I was crying. I was weeping. I felt the presence of the Lord like we felt the presence of God here this morning. And I, I was right about here in the altar. And I was, uh, I was just facing the front. And I remember the power of God was moving on me. And, and I was crying. No doubt I was repenting for something I'd already done that day. And, and the Holy Ghost was moving in my heart. And, and somebody from that church came up and began to pray for me. There was a lady there at that time by the name of Sister Walker, and Sister Walker came over and she began to pray for me, and she put her hand on my head, and and she began to pray, and she began to speak into my life, and she said, Vinny, I want you to know that God has a great and powerful future for your life, and he's going to anoint you and use you one day. And for the first time as a young boy, I heard a voice of authority begin to challenge uh, the expectation uh, that the world had inscribed upon my life. Uh, I heard somebody uh, have the audacity uh, to raise their voice in faith uh, and say, it doesn't have to be the way uh, that the world says uh, it's going to be. Uh, There is something uh, that you can have. Uh, that looks different uh, from what the doctors uh, are telling you. I've never forgotten that word. It was planted in my heart that day. It was planted into the fabric of my being. And I remember I became a teenager and, and, and I began to wrestle with and struggle with all of the things that come along with teenage life and adolescent life and and my struggles I would say probably were multiplied a few years later as I as I continued to rebel and repent rebel and repent rebel and repent that was my cycle and then I was about 15 or 16 years old and we had a visiting minister at the church. His name was Brother Billy Cole. And, and Brother Cole had finished preaching that morning, and, and the Holy Ghost was moving. And I was right about the same spot in the same altar in the same building. And, and I was having a moment with God. And, and Brother Cole looked down from the platform, and he pointed at me, and he said, Come here. And if you've ever met Brother Cole, when he tells you to come here, you go there. <laughs> And so I hastened, and I came, and, and he said, young man, I want you to go and pray for that man on the other side of the altar. Now, there was a guy over here praying, and I didn't know him. He was a visitor, and, and, and to make things worse, I was not qualified in the least to pray for anyone. I knew that, and I just assumed that he didn't know that because he didn't go to church there, but, but I was ignorant, and I didn't know what he knew. 
And so I went over, and I, and I kind of snuck up behind this guy. You know how we are sometimes. You know, we're not always very confident, even though the Holy Ghost is prompting us. And so we just kind of sneak up on people. And so I snuck up behind him. I put my hand on his back, and I startled him, you know. And, uh, and I was just like, Lord, bless this guy. I don't know this guy. You know, I didn't even know how to pray. You know, I'm just, God bless him. You know, I don't know what to say. But bless this man. And I'm just praying a general prayer. And all of a sudden, this guy takes off running. And I'm left standing there. And I'm just looking at my hand like, wow. What does this guy know that I don't know? And I find out later that this gentleman had come into the church with a work injury. And his back had been hurting for years and he was out of work. And all of a sudden in that moment in the altar, the Lord touched his back. Uh, pain left his body uh, and he became mobile in a way that he hadn't been in a long time. And he began to run uh, around that church. This, as you know and as I know now, had nothing to do with me. It just had to do with the fact that I was obedient and willing to do what the man of God told me to do. And so I came back up to Brother Cole, and I said, Brother Cole, I said, why did you ask me to go and pray for that man? And he said, son, because there's an anointing on your life, uh, and God is going to use you in ways uh, that is going to blow your mind. Uh, and for the second time in my life, uh, I heard a man of God, uh, a voice of authority, uh, begin to challenge uh, the expectation uh, that the world uh, had written uh, upon my life. Uh, I don't know uh, what you came in here facing today. Uh, I don't know what you thought uh, the future would look like for you uh, and for your family. Uh, but I want you to know uh, that there is a God uh, that has spoken a word uh, into your future, uh, into your life. Uh, and he's trying to rewrite uh, the expectation uh, in your heart. See, Isaiah said that his word would not return void. Uh, and what I didn't know uh, is that I had only heard those two people say those things. Uh, but there were people in my life, uh, my mother, uh, my pastor, uh, ministers in the church uh, that were daily uh, lifting up my name in prayer. Uh, and they were speaking things uh, into existence uh, when they would call my name out. Uh, I want you to know right now, uh, whatever you're suffering, uh, whatever you're battling, uh, there's an intercessor uh, that's already been stirred up uh, on your behalf. Uh, there's somebody uh, out there. Uh, they may not know your name, uh, but they're speaking into your future. Uh, they're speaking into your family. Uh, they're speaking words uh, that will not uh, return void, uh, but they will bring forth fruit uh, in your life. Hallelujah. 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 And I wish I could say that my ministry took off right then. But that's not the way it happened. I did get on fire for the Lord. There was something that changed in me. And I remember it was my senior year in high school. And I was up in an upper classroom praying by myself before service. And it was years before I'd ever shared this story. I share it frequently now, but... 
Uh, it had been over 10 years before I'd ever started to share it a couple years ago. But I was in that classroom upstairs by myself with the Lord. And I was praying in a corner and there was a globe there in the corner. And I remember I lifted my hands and I was just praying about my future and just asking the Lord uh, about things to come. And I remember the Holy Ghost spoke to me in that classroom that day and he told me, he said, one day you're going to preach the gospel and you're going to travel all around the world. And I just hid that word in my heart. I didn't know what to do with it, but I believed it because I had felt for probably one of the first times in my life that the Lord had spoken to me clearly and directly. And so I, I began to make plans for the future and I, I enrolled in Gateway Bible College of Evangelism. It's now Urshan Urshan College, but then it was called Gateway Bible College, and and I turned 18 years old, and, and I knew I was going to need some money, and so I had a friend in church that lived in northern Ohio, and he invited me to come and paint houses for his dad that summer, and so I went, and I began to paint houses that summer, but what I didn't know is that the enemy had a trap set for me, a trap called loneliness, and I got away from home, I got away from my support system, I got away from the covering of my pastor. I, I was very ignorant, I moved without even talking to my pastor. I didn't, at that time, I didn't do it out of rebellion, I really just did it out of ignorance. But I, I, I moved myself outside of a covering that I had, and I didn't know that I had it. And that, over the course of that summer, the enemy began to taunt me, and I began to feel lonely, and I began to reach out to the wrong people, and I began to get involved in things that I had no business being involved with. And, and, and somewhere along the way, somewhere along the course of that summer, I believed a lie. I believed a deception that there was something else out there for me that would bring me greater joy, greater happiness than fulfilling the purpose that God had for my life. And so I believed that lie, and I walked away from the Lord, and I'll never forget the phone call that I made. I, I called my sweet mom, and I told her, I said, Mom, I'm not going to Bible college. I've decided to take a year off, and I could preach about that. If there was young people in here, I'd preach to you about taking a year off. I preached, uh, or I, so I, I said, I'm taking a year off, and my, my parents begged and pleaded and said, no, please go, you know, we'll pay your way, all this stuff, but, but I knew what I was doing. I knew better, and said, so no, I'll take a year off. It's going to be all right. Huh. It was seven years before I stepped back into an apostolic church. Seven years, I walked in, divorced, a single father, a little girl that hadn't seen her mother in years. My life was a wreck. I had baggage. I thought I had baggage when I was a teenager. I didn't know what baggage was until I came back from the world. I came back struggling with addictions I came back struggling with things that had entangled me. 
You know, sin is like a spider web. When you, the more you touch it, the more it just begins to entangle you. The more it just wraps itself around you. And I, I didn't know that. I only saw the lure of sin, but sin had entangled me. And I knew that I would never be able to set myself free. But I remembered a place where I could go. Uh, and I remembered uh, that there was a church. Uh, there was a church uh, who preached Jesus, uh, who preached deliverance, uh, who preached salvation, uh, who preached the blood. Uh, and I walked back into a church uh, and I made my way to an altar uh, of repentance. Uh, and you know what? Uh, the Lord was right where he was uh, when I walked out the door. Uh, he just said, come on home. Uh, I've been waiting for you. Uh, I've been waiting for you. Uh, I never left. Uh, I never left. Uh, I've been awaiting uh, your return. And so the Lord began a process of restoration and reconciliation in my life. And I will tell you that when I returned, I, the last thing on my mind was ministry. The last thing on my mind was purpose or calling. I just wanted to go to heaven. I wanted my little girl to go to heaven. And I, and I knew that I was on the wrong path. I knew I had taken the broad way. And I, just, I was just trying to get my life right. And the church, the blessed church, took me in. And they began to minister to me and invest in me and invest in my little girl. And God began to put the pieces back together. And, and the Lord brought my wife, my wife into my life. And he blessed us with two more children. And, and I will tell you that after, after being back in the church a couple of years, uh, I attend uh, Bishop Stark's church in Columbus, Ohio. Bishop Stark began to invest in me, and, and his wife began to invest in my family. And he invited me over to the house one day. And we had a visiting minister that, that weekend, Brother Willoughby. He's, he's gone on to be with the Lord. But Brother Willoughby was there that Sunday. And, and Pastor Stark said, Vinny, why, why don't you all come over to the house for lunch? And, and I knew what that meant. I knew that meant free food. And so... I was going to go, and I was going to partake in that because I believe in free food. Amen? I believe in it. Hallelujah. Come on. If that can't get an amen, hallelujah. And so I was standing in line, and, and there was this delicious hot cheese and pepperoni laying there on the table, and we were all beginning to partake in that. And, 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 and as it were, you know, the respect that we give to our elders and men of God, the, the visiting minister was standing in front of me. And I will tell you today that he was taking his time. And I was very hungry. And I did not understand why he was taking his time. I was not feeling spiritual. I was very carnal. I was hangry, as it were. It was a condition I was battling that day. And, uh, but I was soon to be delivered. And... Uh, and Brother Willoughby turned, and he looked at me, and he said, Young man, I don't know who you are or what your story is. He said, But I want you to know that God has the same plan for you uh, that he has always had for you. Hatoromo shatanda, some of... Somebody here uh, needs to understand uh, that your past uh, does not disqualify you. Uh, the mistakes uh, that you have made along the way, uh, 
The Lord has not written you off. There are you are not outside of the reach of the master. This book tells me that his arm is not short. That his promises are yea and amen. That his word will not return void. Listen, you ain't hearing me. I'm going to tell you right now, it is the enemy's job to bring condemnation to your mind, to make you feel like you've made one too many mistakes. You've slipped up one too many times. You have stepped outside of the boundaries of his grace and his mercy. But I've come here today to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell because my God is merciful and gracious and plenteous uh, in mercy. Uh, his blood uh, has no boundary. Uh, his name uh, has all power. Uh, and his word uh, is alive uh, in your life. Uh, it's alive in your circumstance. Uh, it's alive in your family. Uh, it's alive in your problem. Uh, it's alive in your situation. Some of y'all believe me. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you went down in the water in the name of Jesus and you were filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, you were written into a will, into a New Testament, into a book of promises that belongs to you. And the enemy, the adversary of your soul knows it, but he works day and night to try to convince you that you've done something, that you've gone somewhere, that you've engaged in something that has precluded you from partaking in his precious promises. But there is now now, uh, therefore, uh, no condemnation uh, to those uh, who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that when Hannah came to the temple, Eli gave her a word. He said, you're going to have a baby. And you know what Hannah did? She said, thank you, Pastor. I remember that. Amen. I, I believe it. No, the Bible says her countenance changed. <laughs> you ain't hear me. Her countenance changed. Let me tell you something. When I get home from a long trip and I'm tired and I'm worn out, I can feel bogged down walking to my door. 
But the second that door opens and my kids come running to me, all of a sudden my countenance changes and the oppression that I felt just on the other side of the threshold when I walk into my house, all of a sudden I feel joy and gladness because there's love there. There's hope there. I can trust in the joy that I feel there. See what Hannah experienced was faith in the spoken word of God. And that's where the church has got to be reconciled to. See we've gotten to a place where we're like hey I'll rejoice when I see it. I'll run the aisles when the cancer's gone. I'll lift my hands when the check shows up. But not Hannah. Oh no. When the man of God said, you're going to have a baby. She said, whoa. I receive it. I receive it. I know it's going to happen because the man of God said it. If the man of God said it, you can believe it. You can bank on it. You can write it down because it's going to happen. His word will not return void. Hannah was walking in a dimension of faith uh, where she had belief in the spoken word uh, and she didn't have to see the evidence yet. She got that word at the temple, you hear me? She hadn't been home. She hadn't been home yet. She hadn't been to see the doctor yet. There'd been no pregnancy test. There'd been no confirmation. The only thing she had was a word. The only thing she needed was a word. It was just a word from the man of God that changed her countenance. And all of a sudden, she stepped out of the temple with a confidence and a joy that she did not have when she arrived because she believed that the word would come forth. She believed that the word would be proven You know, I began to read about Hannah. You know what I discovered? Hannah was a Levite. She had a history in ministry. Her lineage was of the priesthood. And so Hannah understood that when the man of God says it, I can believe it. Some of you need to restore your faith in the voice of the man of God in your life. You ain't hearing me. Your pastor ought to be able to stand behind this pulpit and make declarations of faith that completely change your life. He shouldn't have to cheerlead you. He shouldn't have to rah-rah you off of your pew. But when he says, we're going to have revival, you ought to be running the aisles. You ought to be jumping up and down. When he says, you're going to be healed, you should already be writing the testimony down. You should already be lifting your head in worship because you have confidence in the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, it's in our fallen nature to want to see the evidence. 
It's in our fallen nature to want to see the proof in the pudding, if you will, before our countenance changes. It's been that way throughout the Word of God. It's that way with Martha. Martha said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. If you'd have showed up on his deathbed, then maybe you could have done something. And what did he say? He gave her a word. He said, I'm going to lift your brother up. I'm going to resurrect him. And what did Martha do? Martha did what we do. She said, oh, I know you're going to resurrect him at the last day. I I know on the other side of glory, we'll be together. I, I, I understand, Jesus. We'll be together by and by. He said, Martha, honey, no. I am the resurrection and the life. I don't operate on your timetable. I am time. I am life. It happens when I say it's going to happen. When I open my mouth, the heavens and the earth must obey. Have you forgotten the God that you serve? Every book, in the, every word in this book is alive. From here to evermore. The next time you're in that situation, the next time you're at the foot of that mountain, I wonder what would happen if you would do what Hannah did. See, Penina was constantly making her miserable, speaking words of doubt, saying to her, Ha, you're barren, your future's barren, nothing good's ever gonna happen to you. Elkanah loves me more than you, you're worthless, you have no value. But do you know what Hannah did? Hannah continued to come and she brought her worthy portion to the Lord. She brought her worthy That's why the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It doesn't matter what my circumstance looks like. I'm going to bring my worthy portion to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to stand with me. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> When I was growing up, I, uh, I played on the basketball team at our school. And uh, I, pray, I played a very vital position. I was starting bench. And uh, every time, I didn't even have to ask. I knew. I knew. I'm a starter. I'm starting the bench. First one right there. I'm going to hold it up, make sure it don't fall down. And, uh, and I, I played that position very faithfully. And... Uh, I remember there was a couple of times where they, they put me in and occasionally the miraculous would happen. But I remember one time, one of the few, very, very few times that I was in the game. I went and I was playing and something happened to my knee. See, the Lord knew I wasn't meant to be an athlete. 
and my knee locked up and and I fell down. It was very embarrassing. And so I milked it for all it's worth. I made him bring the stretcher out, you know. It was very it was very serious. Very serious. And uh and as a result of that, I've always suffered with this knee injury. And I'd be walking and my knee would lock up and I'd fall down. My knee would lock up, I'd fall down. And sometimes my kids would see me fall up the stairs or whatever. You know, I didn't have to do anything. It would just lock up and I'd fall down. And I remember I began to ask the Lord to heal my knee. And I was in a prayer meeting at our church one night. And, uh, and I had gone up for prayer and it was about my knee. And, and uh, Bishop Stark's son-in-law, Brother Jason Razor, his pastor was in Marysville, Ohio, came up to me and began to pray for me. And, and he said, Brother Vinny, he said, I want you to do something. He said, every time that knee locks up, he said, I want you to praise God for healing your knee. <clears throat> he said, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, who's around. He said, every time it causes you pain every time it locks up he said I just want you to thank God for healing your knee and I said okay and so I'd fall down and my kids would be standing there looking at me like what just happened you know I thought we were just walking and I'd lay there and I'd say Lord thank you for healing my knee and I'd walk up the stairs had a toddler behind me I fell down I said, Lord, thank you for healing my knee. Thank you for healing my knee. Months went by. But I kept doing what the man of God told me to do. And I was sitting at home in the middle of the week. And our children's pastor called me. He said, Brother Vinny, Ventura, sorry, Mom. He said, I'm in the neighborhood. He said, can I stop by? And I said, well, yeah, come on by. And I knew, like, something was up, right? I mean, like, we didn't really hang out. He didn't really work in my part of town. But he came over, and, and so, you know, obviously, I wanted to know what was up, even though I didn't. So I wanted to look spiritual. I put the Bible out on the coffee table. You know what I mean? I had prayer music on. Just, yes, Lord, hallelujah. Just walking in the Holy Ghost here. You know, I, I wanted him to think I was clued in, right? And so he comes in, and we sit down on the couch, and and uh, we're making small talk. And the thing is, is he didn't know why he was there. He just knew that the Lord had impressed upon him to come to the house. And, and I knew we was about to have a God moment, but I didn't know what was in store. And we're sitting there on the couch, and we're like, well, let's pray. It was probably his idea. So let's pray. And so we began to pray. We weren't praying about anything specific. And we were just a couple minutes in. And all of a sudden, he just reached over and he put his hand on my knee. And he had no idea what was going on. He just put his hand on my knee, just praying for me like a brother. And when he put his hand on my knee, I physically felt something move inside of my knee. And I knew right then that God had healed me. And I can tell you that that knee has never locked up since then. I've never fallen down. You know why? 
because his word's alive. It won't return void because there is a power in your response when you change your countenance and say, God, you are faithful. Your word is yea and amen. I'm going to rejoice in the victory that you have for me. When you do that, things begin to change. God begins to engineer the circumstances of your life to lead you to a place of victory and testimony I believe here today there are some people in this room that need to be reconciled reconciled to the expectation that God has for your life not the expectation of Penina, not the expectation of the adversary, but there is an expectation that the Lord has for your life and the Lord wants to bring you in close again and speak into your heart again and lift you up with faith again. I believe the Lord wants our countenance to change today so that when we walk out that door, we walk out full of faith, full of hope, full of mercy uh, and full of promise. Uh, can you lift your hands all across this sanctuary right now and begin to lift your voice to the Lord. I'm going to open this altar in just a moment, uh, but I want you to begin to respond right now. Uh, whatever distraction uh, has blocked you from the victory uh, that God has for you right now, uh, I want you to begin to magnify the name of Jesus uh, because we're getting ready to step over a threshold uh, in the Spirit. Uh, and there are people uh, that have been walking around defeated uh, for too long. Uh, and when you leave here today, uh, you're going to walk out uh, with victory victory in the name of Jesus. Come on, all across this house, begin to let your faith out for a moment. Come on, push yourself past your comfort zone. Push yourself past where you've been in the past and decide today it's going to be a new day. As they begin to sing this next song, I'm going to open up these altars right now. And I'm going to invite us to come as the family of God this morning. The Holy Ghost is beginning to minister all across this house. Some of you are remembering words that have long been forgotten. There have been prophecies and promises that were spoken over your life. And today, God is putting fresh breath into an old promise. He's reviving an old prophecy, an old word that was spoken over your life. Come on, it's time to respond. It's time for our countenance to change. It's time to let the Lord know, God, I receive this word into my life. God, I want what that preacher's talking about. I want to walk in promise. I want to walk in purpose. I want to live in victory in the name of Jesus.